It is uh, just a joy to be with you. We had a wonderful time at Phyllis's house last night and then this morning in Sunday school. Um, when we first came here, Melinda's out in the, in the center of the congregation. We had just a, a one-year-old baby and he just turns 34 this month, so wow. Um, and we're so thankful to you as a congregation for being with us through all these years. Um, certainly part of that 20% year in and year out has sustained our ministry and we've, we've sought to be faithful. We, we see God at work around the world. We play a small part, which is a blessing for us, but through us then you are playing a part as well. And so we're very, very thankful to you. N not just the financial support, but the love and encouragement. Like we showed up, we're in the Comfort Inn um, in Scotia, Comfort Inn in Suites, and we walk in and there's a beautiful basket. And I said, wow, what is that? And then another gift thing. I said, isn't Comfort Inn such a good chain? <laughs> no. <laughs> to John and Melinda Bernard from East Glenville Community Church Missions Board, Caroline, Nancy, Jane, Susie, Phyllis, and Miriam. And this is the kind of love where, where over the years we've experienced from you um, time in and time again, not, not just uh, when I visit, when we visit, but through the year, we're very, very thankful. I especially want to thank Nancy Jane um, for her just encouragement, consistent encouragement all the time. She's a blessing and a joy. I'm thankful for her. And I want to thank you too for Matt and Nicole uh, Pascal on their behalf. They're from this area. You're part of the churches in this area, sending them out. They do a wonderful job in Hungary and in Europe, working with refugees, helping the church in Europe to uh, receive those refugees and reach them for Christ. So thank you too for, for the, your support of them. Now, um, I did share primarily about United World Mission in the Sunday School, but, um, and I'll share a little bit about our ministry, but primarily to bring the word of God this morning. Um, I want us to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. The passage that I want to share is, is well known, and we can assume we know it well, but maybe we don't. You know, I was looking outside, um, how beautiful a day it is, and that the living God who made everything would want to speak to us and give us his word. It's an amazing thing. And he sent Jesus to, to make known who he is and what his will is and what his ways are. And so when we watch Jesus in John's gospel, it said, if, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we look at Jesus in the gospels, how did he treat people? And then we can know that this is the character of our God. And so in Matthew 9, beginning at verse 35... It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. We note in passing that Jesus was on the move. Missionaries are on the move. All of us are on the move, right? 
And by the end of the gospel, Jesus said, while you're on the move, make disciples. As you go, make disciples. Jesus was on the move, and it says that he went not only to the cities, but also to the towns. I'm, you might say that no person, no little town was unimportant to him. And it says he was proclaiming good news. Be nice to camp on that word for a little while. Good news. Because we shouldn't forget in the, in the midst of culture wars in, in our country, um, doubt cast upon Christianity, issues people have with the church, that what the Bible talks about when it comes to Jesus is good news for all people. And that when we talk about going to the nations, we're talking about bringing good news. Maybe you need good news this morning. And then it says, as he was going along, he was not only proclaiming good news, but healing every disease and sickness. And this word healing is interesting. It's the same word from which we get therapy or therapeutic. So Jesus was concerned about the whole person. Yes, the soul. Yes, the spirit, but also the body, the mind. And he was uh, having people come to him, the blind, the deaf, the diseased, the demon-possessed, and they're all crying out for mercy. There's crowds of people coming to him. And it says he had compassion on them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So I want to think this morning with you about what, what's the motivation for missions? What's the heart of missions? And when we talk about the heart of mission, we're really talking about the heart of God, the character of God, what he's like. And we're not just talking about someone over there, but we're talking about also our neighbors and, and also what is God like for us? And I think there are three things Jesus sees in this passage. The first thing he sees is, is human suffering, the human condition. He sees the struggle that human beings endure, including we ourselves. He says, people are harassed and helpless. Another way you could translate that, they're, they're torn apart and thrown down. When Jesus sees people, when he sees these crowds, it's like a wild animal got them, like a thief stole their money and threw them in a ditch. That's the way Jesus looked at people, harassed and helpless. I had an experience before I became a Christian that really impacted my life. I grew up in a family in, in the Boston area. We went to church sometimes, but my parents weren't Christians. I didn't understand the gospel. When, when, I, when I was 17, my parents divorced. My father moved away. I was trying to find my way in life. I was confused. I didn't know why there was so much suffering in the world and in my life. Or why are we here on this earth? Why is there injustice? I worked with the mentally handicapped people. Why in the institution are they suffering like this? And then the, the, the Watergate back then, see how old I am. You know, uh, political systems broken. What is this world all about? Well, after a couple years uh, at Boston College, I, I, I quit college and went to work for a rock band. It's every parent's dream, right? So off I go, you know, goodbye to college, and now I found my purpose. Going to do the lights for this band. 
And one week we were playing in New York City, and I was 19, 20 years old. And I remember walking down the sidewalk, looking at the buildings, you know, I was just classic, oh, you know. And I stumbled on this man, and he, um, he had no shirt, no shoes, he was bent over. He had obviously been drunk and beaten up the night before. His face was all cuts. His eyes were swollen. Blood dried on his face. Ripped pants. And so I, I said, you need help. I'll, I'll call an ambulance. No, no, no. So I brought him back to this club where we were supposed to play that night. And started to, I found a cloth. I started to wipe off his wounds. And the club manager comes and says, get him out of here. I said, well, no, he needs help. Get him out of here, kid. You're in New York City. You don't know what you're dealing with. So I brought him onto the sidewalk and kept trying to help the man. And then the club manager again said, get him off the sidewalk. Here's a picture of what Jesus was talking about in terms of, uh, here's a man torn apart and thrown down, a picture of misery. And this club manager, the world, as I was experiencing it as a young person, faced with human need like this cruelty apathy get him out of here like a piece of garbage it's a hard lesson for me I think when you're a teenager you think well at least when I get to be an adult I'll find out my family's messed up as a kid but at least then you know I find out the world has got some order to it but well during that period a few people shared the gospel with me None of them knew that I became a Christian later. And I started to read the Bible. And I started to see the Jesus of the Gospels. And this Jesus of the Gospel, he's different. He's different than this world. He cares about people. It's good to stop and ask when, when people around us look at Christians, do they see the Jesus in whose name we live? And Jesus, he compares people, he sees they're harassed and helpless, and he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. So what does Jesus see when he looks at people? like sheep without a shepherd. Now, if you don't know a lot about sheep, you've heard sermons about sheep, right? We've all heard the sermon. Well, and, but I worked with sheep when I was a kid. I, I had a farm behind our house, and I used to take care of the sheep, feed them, clean their stalls. And like the sermons say, the sheep are dumb. <laughs> they can't run. Uh, they, they can't fight. They'd follow a herd off a cliff without thinking. And... and, and Jesus says, people are like sheep with no shepherd. By nature, helpless, confused, and vulnerable. In every culture of the world, at the end of the day, this is the nature of human beings. And so it doesn't matter their intelligence, their education level, doesn't matter their fine dress or their philosophies or their religion. At the core, human beings are like sheep without a shepherd, lost, confused, vulnerable. 
now we're all observers of people, right? We see people, and and you know we we tend to make our judgments. You know we we say, yeah, Jesus is right. People are dumb as sheep. They are really stupid. And we we watch this group over here. We say. Um, Look at them following each other off the cliff. Oh, my goodness. Can't they think for themselves? How amazingly stupid. And then we see this sheep over here. We say, why can't he just get his act together? You know, if he just worked harder, he could get out of the rut he's living in. Oh, his poor wife. But she chose him. And we look at this sheep over here, we say, oh, that one. He's worrying all the time, fretting about everything. If she'd just be thankful, she brings all her problems on herself. She'd just be thankful she could see her life change. Now we look at this group over here, that little gang of young black sheep. Can't stay out of trouble. Look at the mess they've made of things. They made their bed, let them sleep in it. And you know, there's some truth to that, right? There's some truth to that, that people make their own beds, they make a lot of bad decisions, there are consequences. But you know, we can kind of look around at other sheep, we say, I'm so thankful that I'm a smart sheep. Um, We can congratulate ourselves, we have the good sense to be finding our way and not making a mess of things. With these other sheep, well, you know, it's the way people are. Jesus even said so. Sheep without a shepherd. We can tend to let ourselves off the hook a little bit from, from caring about these dumb sheep or lifting a finger to help them because uh, basically they deserve it. And even maybe people who suffer some things that don't deserve it. We, we just looked at Ukraine in the Sunday school human beings like us that suddenly have bombs raining upon them that didn't deserve this suffering that they're experiencing we can say it's terrible but nothing I can do about it well we can see people this way we can talk this way but we wouldn't be following Jesus if we do that's not the approach Jesus took. Jesus, the Son of God, had a different reaction when he saw sheep without a shepherd. He looked at the crowds, he's this smelly, sinful, sorry mess of humanity, and that's what we are sometimes. And it says when he saw them, he had compassion on them. This is our God. It's, it means he felt for them. Something happened inside. His heart went out to them. He wanted to do something to help them in their plight. That's God's heart. And no matter who you are here this morning, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, this is God's heart for you. God sees you. God knows you. He's a compassionate God. He's not waiting for you to get your situation right. No, he loves you right now. And the same is true when he looks upon the people among the nations or in the city of Schenectady, or Albany, or our neighborhood. And this is the story of the gospel, that God saw us broken and beaten down like sheep without a shepherd, and so he came. He took on our humanity. He experienced life in this world to show us compassion 
And then he went all the way to the cross to bring us back to the Father. See, the heart of the gospel is the love and the compassion of God. And the heart of missions is compassion, love for people. Compassion is love in action. God didn't just say, well, I love the world. No, action. He came. He came. People in the world need someone to come. People in our lives need someone to come. Sometimes I, I feel the compassion in me. As a, as a mission leader, I travel. I, I could tell you stories of things I've seen in Senegal and Cuba and Vietnam and India and bring tears to your eyes. And, and in those moments, I feel compassion for people. But then if I'm honest, I come back and, you know, I'm, I'm in traffic in Charlotte. I don't feel very compassionate. Someone needs to talk. I'm in a hurry. I don't feel very compassionate right now. Compassion doesn't come natural because I, 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 I get in my own world. But, you know, being in a hurry all the time, being too busy, compassion killers. And when we as Christians, when we as the church become just too busy, too much in a hurry, it's hard to think about lost sheep around us, to see as Jesus sees. But he says, follow me. As the Father sent me into the world, so send I you. Jesus was compassion in action, so send I you. So maybe we need to wake up and really see people, not just pass them by. So one thing Jesus sees is, is people in their need. He had compassion. What else did he see in the passage? Well, it says, when he saw the crowds, he, he said, the harvest is plentiful. So he's talking to farmers, and they know what a harvest is, right? So they plant the crops. The rain's been good. No locusts have come. The crops are growing. They look healthy. It's time. It's time to pick the, pick the crops, bring them to market, or put them in the barn to store them. And so it's interesting. He sees people, on the one hand, sheep without a shepherd, but he also says, a harvest that people that he's seeing in his day are ready to come into the kingdom. Think about John's gospel, chapter 4. Remember Jesus was, was going along and his disciples went to get food and he met a woman at the well. And this, this woman, she'd been beaten and beaten up and torn apart by life. She'd had five husbands and the one she was with now wasn't her husband, so she kept trying one relationship after another and disappointment and disappointment, and life has beaten her down. She goes to the well during a time of day when no one else is there. She's got shame in her life. And Jesus saw her brokenness and had compassion on her. He, he wasn't too busy. Listened to her, engaged her in conversation. And the disciples came back, and they find him talking to this Samaritan woman. What's he talking to her for? His answer to them is very interesting. He said, why am I talking to this woman? He said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Hmm. He's just talking to a, uh, an insignificant Samaritan woman. What's he talking about? Harvest. 
and the disciples saw just this woman and a Samaritan. They figured it wasn't worth talking to her. She's probably not even important among the Samaritans. But Jesus could see some things that the disciples couldn't see, that the kingdom was open to Samaritans, that God was concerned about this woman. And listen, God's kingdom doors are open today, wide open to people like that woman. Sinful past, shame, brokenness open to her. Samaritan, like some ethnic group far from us that, ugh, unimportant. The kingdom of God is open. There's a, there's a sign on the door, there's a cross. Welcome everyone. Come one, come all. All are welcome. No one turned away. Isn't that beautiful? Good news. What do you see when you see your neighborhood, your towns, the city? Sometimes I look at my neighbors, I think, well, the last thing they want is the gospel. You know, I'm tired of sharing it. You know, they don't want to hear. But maybe I need to look a little more carefully. You know, because we're talking missions, the globe, and God is concerned for the nations, but what, what about our culture? It's broken and spitting out pieces all over the place for us to see, right? Just think about our teenagers alone, our adolescents. Our daughter is a second grade teacher. The stories she brings home about what those kids are going through. Things are not well, and we in the church, we need to see. We need to be compassionate. We need to, to, to find a way to show the love of Christ to the people around us, to bring hope to the hopeless. If we're wounded, we be wounded healers for others. But Jesus said it's not just a harvest. He said the harvest is plentiful. It's bigger than we think. It's huge. Think about the Muslim world. We think, well, you know, they're close to the gospel, terrorist types, very opposed to Christianity. Not the case. In the Middle East today, more Muslims are coming to Christ than ever before. I don't have enough time to tell you some stories, but I've been with church in, in Beirut, Lebanon. Syrian refugees, in Lebanon, uh, one out of four people is now a refugee. This little church was about 200 Lebanese people. Now it's over 1,000. I preached in a Syrian congregation, Syrian Muslims that came and because Christians are praying for them, Jesus is, they're giving, God is giving them dreams of Jesus, and the Christians are loving them when they come. Iraqis, Afghanis, Syrians, now in congregations, Bible studies. God is revealing his love for Muslim people. Or think about Ukraine for a moment. We've seen it on the news, it breaks our hearts. We've been partnering with a group of seminaries in Ukraine for a number of years, and these seminaries have closed their classes, but they've opened as refugee centers. And the church in Ukraine is like the first responders in this terrible time of suffering for Ukrainian people. Eight million Ukrainians have left their homes and they're displaced somewhere in Ukraine. Where do they stay? Who feeds them? Where do they get water? Seven million have gone to other parts of Europe. The church, the seminaries, the Christians are the ones loving them, 
helping them, providing food and, and places to stay. Donors around the world in the U.S. are, are showing generosity. Through our little mission, $1 million have been raised to go to Ukraine through these seminaries, through the church. And I want to just show you two brief videos that just show a church, show a glimpse of the church putting the love of Christ into action. Compassion is love in action. And seeing the church as first responders. And the, the first video um, is a picture of uh, a warehouse where Christians are taking in food and water. And they not only have refugee centers where the refugees can come through from the war-torn parts of the country, but they go back into those places, to the shut-ins, to the people who need it. So watch this first video. Uh, I think you'll be able to get a glimpse of love in action. In addition to food, the church is bringing, distributing Bibles. So this woman, uh, the, the person giving her the Bible is the seminary president, and now he's part of this group trying to reach out. Let's watch that second one. Um. Obviously, God has brought a receptivity to his good news in the midst of her suffering. It brings us to the last thing that Jesus sees, a sheep without a shepherd, a harvest. And then he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is huge, he's saying. The workers, the number is puny. Pray for more workers. And they're needed globally. But he doesn't say priests, pastors, missionaries. He says workers. And we can look around the sanctuary and we can say, all of us who follow Jesus, we're a worker. And the qualifications, we don't have to go to seminary. We don't have to have preaching gifts. You know what the qualifications for being a worker in the Lord's harvest? We have to care for people, care about people, have a heart of compassion, see them, believe that God is at work. So he's calling you to be workers. We don't know this afternoon, tomorrow, who you're going to meet. But we can believe that if you can have eyes to see, God is at work around you. Well, as we conclude, I, I want to share one story. It's a bit personal, but it's true, and um, I think it's helpful, maybe. I told you the story of the, the man beaten on the street in New York City and the response of that club owner and why I was there. And when I think back at that time, I think there was more than one broken person. There's more than one person who needed the compassion of Christ, right? What about the club owner? Now, what was his story that led him to be a middle-aged guy who couldn't care less about a person beaten up? Didn't he need Christ as much as that man in the street? And, and what about me? There I was, you know, 20 years old, lost and confused, parents broken up, my family broken up. My, my father had moved far away. So I was the oldest son, and he left my mother, my younger brother and sister, and I was responsible. I had to care for them. My father was really never part of our lives after that. I mean, maybe once a year or two I'd see him. 
and he married four times. He squandered the inheritance my grandmother left him, and he pretty much lived for himself. Well, a few years ago, um, his wife died. He went bankrupt financially, and he lost his leg uh, above the knee because of diabetes. And then he needed money from me to help him. And in this condition, he told my sister and me, he said, I, I just want to come home to live with one of you. And he said, the most important thing is family. I want to be with my family. And on the one hand, I felt sad for my father in this situation, but I also began to realize I was struggling with some thoughts that I was having in my heart. One was, why wasn't family the most important thing 40 years ago? Whatever was happening in your marriage, why should my sister have to take care of him at this point in life? And why do I have to financially help him? I, I have enough responsibilities myself. He made these bad decisions. It's not our fault. Well, thankfully, God was working in my heart to show me that these thoughts I was having, these attitudes weren't um, from him. And God showed me that in the prior six months, my, my dad had lost his wife, he lost his house, he lost his financial wherewithal, and now he had lost his leg. And I didn't have much compassion for him. And here I am, mission leader, claiming to go around the world, <laughs> caring about people. See, at some level, my heart was saying, my father doesn't deserve to come home. And then God showed me through the parable of the prodigal son. I was a lot like the older brother outside. You know, younger brother comes home. They have a big celebration. God, uh, the, the father comes out and pleads with the older brother, come in and celebrate with us. And he said, that younger son didn't deserve to come home. And here was God showing compassion to my father because he was starting to come to Christ. And there I was, my prodigal father coming home, and I'm outside saying he doesn't deserve it. Thankfully, God didn't leave me there. He was working in my heart, giving me compassion because I began to see my father like a sheep without a shepherd in need of compassion. And God was calling me to welcome my prodigal father home. And God gave me grace, not as a duty, but in a generous way to welcome him home. He reminded me that he didn't show me compassion because I deserved it, but because he's a compassionate God. And he's calling me to be a compassionate person for those who don't deserve it. I'm thankful for his grace. And I just close this morning asking that maybe you look at your heart. Are you outside the house in the prodigal son parable? God is showing mercy and compassion to people, but you're saying, well, you know, is there someone in your life, a family member, who you, you need to forgive, but you're struggling, you feel they don't deserve it, or a neighbor who's down and out, some group that you think doesn't belong in the church, or maybe you think, well, the people at the ends of the earth, someone will take care of them. You know, we can have those thoughts, but it's not, it's not from Jesus.
So who, to whom is God calling you to show compassion even this week? I want to leave us with that question and pray for us. Father, thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in your word and also in the life of Jesus as a compassionate God. We are so grateful that you came to us in our need. We pray that your Holy Spirit would show each of us, myself included, where we can love others in action this week. Fill us with your spirit. May you bless this congregation, O Lord, and make them your instruments of compassion for the people in these communities as well as around the world. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name.